What's up? And welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel. I'm Hillary. I'm Clinton. And I'm Alon. And we have another day. We're going to start uh, with some positive news, which is kind of nice. Uh, the Atlantic bubble just opened uh, after a couple of hassles from Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Now you're able to transit with PEI, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia without quarantining. Also, 40, 40.3% of New Brunswickers are fully vaccinated. Uh, if we get to the 75%, uh, then we'll be back in green, which means no mask, no nothing. I will be back to normal or whatever that normal would be. Uh, Hillary, since you're coming home, uh, how do you feel about this? Is You you, you kind of were, were waiting for this. I'm, I'm so excited. I continue to burst into tears. The flights are booked. The location's booked. Accommodation's booked. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm happy for everyone. I wish only that Ontario would pick up the pace and get there too. But, you know, we're um, provincially a bigger population and we're trying as fast as we can. But personally, been double vaxxed for over two weeks. No bad side effects. No cool extra Wi-Fi signal coming out of my arm. So just excited to be able to go home and see all of you in person and maybe make some cool content and hug my mom. Most importantly, hug my mom if they let me or at least be in the room with her. <laughs> Now, how does that work specifically? Like you can't, even if you're vaccinated, you can't be with your mom. So um, for people who don't know, my mom has dementia and she's in a nursing home. And so, so far they've asked me to provide documentation saying that I'm fully vaccinated. I've become her, one of her designated support people, which means I don't need to fill anything out every time that I show up. But from my understanding, my godmother's visited and is allowed in the room with her and can be close to her but has to stay like masked from my understanding so i'm i'm not really sure if i can like hug her or if they'll let me but i know that they were they double checked that i wouldn't have to quarantine or do anything like that since i am doubly vaxxed but i do have to bring proof so we shall see oh wow that that is crazy so alon your work requires a bit of traveling when you go out and, and i'm assuming i don't know if your work requires you to be vaccinated or not but with this, are you what is it safer for you guys, or what have you seen while you're on the road? And uh, with as far as the vaccine and, and access to places, it meant nothing for me. I mean, I worked the entire pandemic, so there was no if you were an essential worker, no one gave a shit, right? Like, <laughs> they just didn't. <laughs> I can say that now, two year, year and a half, two years later, no one gave it, no one gave a shit, right? Like, you were essential, you got your ass out there, and you risked your life. Um, the borders were interesting. Um, Nova Scotia really surprised me with their nonsense recently because during the height of this, they had very lax rules at the border. They were handing out fucking Nova Scotia stickers that you had to keep and show that you were cleared to like pass through the border. Like they weren't taking names, numbers, nothing. And then towards the end of this, as things were getting better, they decided to finally come up with an online system that you could register a name, address, where you were going and get a number. But that was, you know, way late in the game. Everyone else had been doing that the entire time. So it really surprised me when Nova Scotia decided that they were going to lock down their borders and get all strict with these rules um, towards the end of this. Um, but as far as, you know, uh, my personal day-to-day -day work, it, it no one was demanding a vaccine. No one cared. Um you know, you're registered online and they either said yes or no. As long as you were essential and you fell in that category, they let you through. It didn't matter. Um, some places were more stringent than others. Like PEI was was pretty strict, um, you know, coming in from Edmonston, pretty strict. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, it's good to see here in the Maritimes that things are getting back to normal. I, I hope it happens uh, soon. Um, I'm, I'm, probably, I'm ready to get out there and, and uh, do some shows with the band and, and get this going. So, so that's that's my big uh, my my big push for the normalcy is to start playing shows and and uh, and take this whole thing to to another level. So, okay. Clinton, you were very affected by this pandemic. I mean, this affected your business. Uh, if you guys haven't seen, you were kind of covered on CBC and other media outlets on how the pandemic affected that and eventually affected your household per se, because that's what you, you know, that's your bread and butter. So what do you think about this uh, new improvement? Um, regarding the business, yeah, it's looking back at a year and a half ago, it's crazy that so much time has passed, but uh, 2020 was really stressful in a lot of ways. Like 
the same as all small business, like just constant anxiety and paranoia about losing everything, going bankrupt, having the business closed down permanently. What do you do at the place where you have a five-year lease, but it could be closed for the next few years before um, the government announced any assistance either? It was bad. Uh, it was really bad. Um, you know, but it gave us an opportunity to restructure, rebuild, um, figure out things in a new way. Um, in 2021, I mean, actually, after the pandemic, we're actually doing better than ever and and really great so really thankful for that um hope we can keep that going um it's uh it's gonna it's gonna feel weird to take masks off it's almost like it's a it's a weird feeling like what's everyone look what is everyone gonna look like out there in the world without masks it's gonna take a while to get used to seeing people without masks to be honest but uh, I'm, I'm good I, i'm glad we're opening up the borders it's uh, i want to travel i want to I want to travel just around Canada. I want to go to Nova Scotia, PEI, Ontario. I'm looking forward for my daughter to be coming here from Ontario. Uh, it's about time. I think things will go fine. And if they don't, I don't, I guess we would have to go back to restrictions. Although I can't imagine people agreeing to that, to that again. Um, that's it. Hillary, you had something to say? Yeah, just in, like um, in response to what Clinton's saying, both uh, me and the person that I'm visiting with have had to have a lot of serious talks because Ontario life is so different. Like we're trying to figure out like what places we want to go to that are indoors and what we're going to do about not wearing our masks. Cause it feels, it feels so different. Like here it's still only patios and you can't really be inside. And there's only like six people in a business at once still here. So like, we're already having like very serious conversations about how many people we're going to spend our time with. If everyone's going to be doubly vaxxed that we spend our time with. So it's weird. It definitely feels like we're all in the same country, but you guys are experiencing something so much different than I'm experiencing. So it's bananas. Clinton? Quick. Yeah, no, my daughter just told me today, it is very different in Toronto. Someone from her friend group came back from another province and she was fine, but she met up with the guy that she was dating and the guy was an anti-vaxxer. Now he has COVID and it just messes up their whole friend group. Right. So my daughter wasn't exposed to anything, but they have to plan things like, okay, well, if you go on a trip and come back, where am I going to stay so that you can self isolate for five or six days and like rules within their small friend groups of what you can see and who you can do, what you not who you can <laughs> Pretty much, pretty to much. Be that's fair, to be fair, that's the conversation I was having. No, that was that my is... conversation. It was like, Hillary, you can't hot girl summer unless they're doubly vaxxed. No, no, ain't no be nobody better be having those conversations in my daughter's friend group. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Anyways, um, yeah, it's different in Toronto and uh, no, whatever. Uh, it's different in Toronto and I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's still complicated, but things are getting a lot better. That's it. I had to throw in that story. Yeah. I mean, and yes. the fact that you, you said that like, and they put in with your 20 year old daughter, I mean, it is what it is, but having that said now, I do have a question for everybody. What do you guys think the new normal would be when it comes to this? If we even get to green, because again, supposedly if we get to green is if we have like 75% by August 1st or August 2nd. That is the deadline. I am not 100% sure that we'll go back to just being hunky-dory because again, this will be like people can travel from everywhere in the world. Uh, and again, there's a new variant that's the Delta variant that it's supposedly not uh, covered as well by the vaccine. In fact, some countries are even doing a third shot because the vaccine is the it's not as potent with the Delta variant. So, Hillary, you're in Ontario right now, which you say things are different. Do you think what do you think the new normal would be there or when once you come back to the Maritimes? I'm going to give you two different answers. I, I think that what the new normal will look like in both Ontario and New Brunswick when it gets green is like a lot of people not returning to the office. I think that some people... It, there's two schools of thought, right? There's the people that are going to be so relieved that this is over because they felt like this was a prison sentence that they're going to throw away the masks. They're going to throw it all away. They're going to try to go back to as normal as possible. There are people who have small businesses who unfortunately will never recover and things will not be the same. And some people who are so hurt financially that they don't get a new normal. What I hope is that in a way, 
All of this solidifies to a very large group of people that the government does not care about the working class. It does not care about small businesses. It does not care about marginalized groups of people. And that whatever the new normal looks like, it has to be different for there to be progress in the way our society is politically because of just how like flagrantly the government chose the 1% and the big big box businesses over everyone else. There's also so many things that should change in terms of the way normal used to be and the environment. Like, why do we have paper flyers? Why can't everything be on your phone? Why did we have paper menus? I think masks should become a normal thing, not only because this is a joke I've been making, but like white people probably are going to look better after this year because half of their face was not in the sun the whole time. And also like none of us caught the flu. None of us had the common cold. I think that we should try to implement this in flu season and in regular times. I don't know that everyone's going to be down for that. I think that it's, there's going to be so many people that are just like, that was the worst two years of my life. I'm so glad I'm over this. Now I'm going to just like make out with everybody and not wear masks. And I want everything to be the same. I just don't know that things ever can be the same exactly again. Alon, you said that the essential worker, nobody gave a shit. And, you know, what do you think as an essential worker that you, like you said, the pandemic didn't change anything for you. What do you think the new normal might be? I I agree with what Hillary's saying. I, I would love to see a hybrid of of what used to be and what is because i think there are a lot of good things that have come out of this pandemic i.e masks and, and you know eliminating you know cold and, and and flu cases um the fact that businesses now um are actually cleaning their stores and you know cleaning companies are actually using real chemicals in their spray bottles instead of fucking water like the, the shit that used to go on before in restaurants and retail environments when it came to cleanliness was horrific um, and, you know, now that we actually have, you know, an onus now and, and, and some sort of guidelines for them to actually be using real chemicals and real sanitizers, I think is, is a win for, for society as a whole. Um, it warms my heart to see people spraying down shopping carts when I go into a store. You know, I like the fact that the bathroom now actually has running warm water and paper towel and soap in the dispenser all the fucking time. Like those things should have always been. <laughs> you can actually go into a, a fuel station restroom now and it's actually half clean and fully stocked. Like these are things that, you know, we let slide before this. And I would love to see um, certain protocols uh, left in place. And I think I think there is a balance between the two. I think Hillary's right. You can have those people who are like, you know what? This was horrible. Fuck this. I, I was just doing it for show. You know, all those people who wear the mask below their nose. They're going to toss out the shit and just go along. Um but I think people need to realize that there were good things that came out of this. And I think that, you know, we should definitely champion those good things. And I would love to see the new normal be actually a new normal, um, i.e. the sanitation, i.e. people washing their hands, i.e. people being cognizant of being too close to one another. You know, if you are feeling bad, wear the mask, stay home. I think that there are a lot of good things and a lot of good protocols that, that can't come out of this. And uh, if we're smart as a society, um, here in the Maritimes, I think we could make great strides if we do a nice hybrid and keep what works and get rid of what doesn't. Clinton? I definitely don't want things to go back to the way they were, and I, and I don't think they will. I just said everything is going to be fine. At the same time, I'm waiting for them to come out with the next variant where they try to lock us all down again. Um, regarding a hybrid world, I think any time anything happens that rocks the planet globally, whether it's a war or a global plague, I, things change forever. I don't think after World War I or World War II or the Spanish flu, things never go back to the way they were completely. Uh, innovation or necessity breeds innovation. So a lot of the things that have been developed, even in, among humans, the concept of work-life balance, um, taking time for oneself, um, being more sanitary. In my industry, I can guarantee you, we always use disinfectants. Now we've been using hospital-grade disinfectants on everything at all times. And we're definitely going to implement some of those strategies. Um, I hope that we, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be wearing a mask in the winter from now on because that was nice. I like being outside <laughs> in a mask. Um, little things like all jokes aside, um, the new normal is hopefully going to be a world where, well, I was going to say where people are being better to each other, but I already see that people are being really shitty to each other again online. So everyone's back to normal regarding that. Um, the hybrid thing that Hillary said. Personally, I think the 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 new normal is the remoteness of things. I, I think people weren't uh, like maybe two years ago when you were talking like if you 
if you hear the news, like myself, I listen to the news all day. Uh, and you saw people a year or two years ago that they were like, oh, coming from Singapore, you had this person in a suit and like with a camera and all made up. And now it's just like they're on Zoom in their, in their, you know, in their coffee table reporting. Right. And the, the fact that we are doing this podcast remotely and things are getting remote, the fact that people are working remotely and the fact that there's like online shows like concerts and conferences and all that stuff that, you know, two years ago, if you would say, I want to see Metallica over Zoom, you would have said, are you freaking out of your mind? Now it's like, well, you know, better than nothing. So I think the remoteness of things, I think that's going to be something that's that's going to be kind of new. I don't think we are going to work. Well, we're not, I don't think we're going to go back to the office as everybody or everybody, probably people will say, you know, I want to work from home and Companies will be won't have headquarters. They're probably everybody will be at their houses just doing their work. Uh, that is one of the things that I saw kind of shockingly that that might that that progress really really quick. So, you know, hopefully we get to that seventy percent and we'll see how that works in New Brunswick, Ontario. I, I'm not sure. You guys there? I, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I was first one signed up. I had my like first dose on Good Friday. Praise be the Lord. Give me vaccines. And uh, still struggling, still having to wait and do like, especially right now, because I am in Toronto right now, it's been, it's uh, hectic again. A lot of people unmasked and screaming on the subway and the metro and like, I missed it here, but yikes. Yeah, let's see. Let's see how that happens. So we're going to go to another maritime subject, which this was brought by Hillary, which is kind of like a, <laughs> this is a kind of a, a conversation that we're going to have because again, and Hopefully we we can get to our own opinions because I, I don't think there's a wrong or right here. Uh, but uh, in Halifax, there was a LGBTQ plus bar called Men's and Molly's, uh, which went like a lot of businesses due to the pandemic, it went broke. And they just bought the, this new and it's called One Love Bar, which is a Caribbean bar, like a Caribbean type of bar. And there was an ad that said, uh, for all people, races, clans, creeds, sexuality, nationality and gender and some people felt offended by that so uh hillary you would like to dig in into this well i mean i'll elaborate by saying that of course the word clan was spelled with a k someone brought it to the attention according to messages that were receipts that were posted someone brought the spelling to the attention of the owner who apparently said we're glad that you picked up on that we want the message to be that yes the oppressor can come but there's no room for hatred then they took down the post and reposted it with plans spelled as a c saying that the person they contracted to make the graphic did not understand correctly from the audio voice note and that that's how this misspelling happened. So people in the queer community from back home brought it to my attention. And of course, a lot of mainly white people are extremely upset. Through some digging, we figured out that the owner is Black and that's why it's Caribbean-themed bar, which makes a lot of sense. I guess where I'm coming from as a Black bisexual lady <laughs> is that by inviting the oppressor, you do not make it a safe space. So while I can understand or try to understand where they may be coming from of like one love, one love bar, everyone's invited. As soon as you invite someone who's going to hate 75% of the demographic, that 75% of the demographic is not going to come. So do you really want the dollar from the white racist person and then alienating all the other people invited? Because to me, that is back ass words and makes no sense. I think that I, I feel like there might have been a good intention. But that's not going to work. Also, in what world are people from the clan going to go to a gay bar anyway? Like, that was never going to happen. That was never going to happen unless they were there to, like, burn it down. So it's just not a good vibe, and it's really unfortunate. And now a lot of people have given them negative reviews. And despite the people trying to say it's actually Black-owned, gives them a chance, feels like it might be too late, according to my gay friends on Facebook. Now, I, I had to do some digging because I, I, I didn't want to just bring that subject. And one of the things, and I know a couple of people that DJ, because there was a, there was a, pre, the, the owner had a previous restaurant 
and uh, the owner uh, is Jamaican and they are part of, uh, they believe in that Rastafari culture. Again, if you're not familiar with Rastafari culture, it's fine. Uh, but part of that culture is, is that you love everyone uh, no matter what the uh, defects they are and they are welcome and they're welcome to their home. Uh, that is part of that culture. Uh, now, I do have to say that it, it definitely looked like a mistake because uh, I spoke to some people and it looked like it was a mistake, but they are not, they're not trying to alienate, uh, but they're not trying, they want everybody to feel welcome. Uh, and I think that's part of the cultural part that a lot of people did not understand. Uh, so I had to dig into that. Clinton, what's your opinion about this? First of all, Hillary, quick question. Yes. A bunch of people yes. left bad reviews without ever having stepped foot in that place. I freaking yes, hate you, when people do that. I was that gonna say, the have most you... annoying thing ever. That is not fair to the business owner. So, Comment yeah, if you go on their... But don't permanently review their business as bad because of like a bad marketing decision they made. So that's what happened. Like on Google and Facebook, they have... Does not recommend. So if you go on their Facebook and go to their reviews, it's just like a swarm of, of, of white people saying like one star review, this place is racist. They're white supremacists. If you go there, you're endangering your life. No, none of those people have been. And then there were some people leaving positive reviews, trying to turn it around and be like, well, actually they're a black owned business. I think you should give them a chance. None of you have been there. So not, it's not good. It's definitely not good. I'll give my comments, but first I just want to say to anyone listening, like, don't do that. That's not cool. Like those people are leaving reviews saying that you're not safe there, but they haven't been there to actually feel and experience whether or not they were made to feel safe in that environment. So that really pisses me off. But anyways, okay. So regarding that marketing, um, controversial in a way that definitely is really worth talking about like you said and stirs up a lot of controversy so it is still currently considered a queer bar owned by jamaicans um putting forth the mantra that everyone is welcome now you're right you did you want to interrupt Fidel? no no it's not a queer bar it's not a anymore queer bar. it was a queer bar before and i think i think that's one of the the things i think uh, a lot of the people got upset uh, because that was a safe space for LGBTQ plus people. And now that space is gone. But I mean, it's, it's, that's business, though. That that's it, it, it was nothing. It's just that they ran out of business and another person bought and is doing a new business. That's that's normal, though. So there may even be some bitterness projection about losing their previous bar and expecting the new owners to uphold the exact same, a similar concept. Maybe. But the fact is, you know, Okay, so in Jamaica, uh, I don't think a bunch of uh, Jamaican business owners running a Jamaican-themed business with Jamaican theme, I don't think they would feel unsafe or afraid if they have a bunch of Jamaicans in there with people who were clan members. And for one, I don't, I don't know that anywhere you ever are, whether you, you know whose opinion is what. This business owner is definitely drawing a fine line in which I think he may have gone too far. But at the same time, I don't personally care to ask about the opinions, political opinions or cultural viewpoints of the people who spend money in my business. And the fact is, while I would not openly want to accept money from a racist or while I would not accept racist dialect within my establishment, I mean, racist people want to give me money. I'll take it. I'll take money. From, I will. I will switch the. I will. I will move the money over from the racist people into into my family uh, account or to help to help my life and my kids and my future. Um, but inviting clan members now again, you'd have to imagine the reason the marketing is interesting. You have to imagine what clan member would actually be interested in going to. That's the whole point, and that's but why there are. But I think there are a lot. I think there are a few. You never. Well, maybe you those, never know. You never. Know. I sh you're right. I shared on Facebook last year the story of this man who was being adored all across North America because he was a black man that would regularly go to clan meetings, talk to them and, you know, convert clan members to and get them to leave the clan. So he was being praised and revered and, and in the in the in the sense of bringing people you're not going to go to a nightclub to have political debates, but in the sense of bringing everyone together. I don't know. He's really, it's, it's really for me, maybe a little bit past the line, but I mean, any bar or nightclub anyway, no one's asking those questions. People of different cultures and races are there and they're spending money for someone to so blatantly put it on a, a marketing thing. 
Hmm. It could have gone good or bad. And I, I feel there is a bit of bitter. Like, it's not, I don't know. I, I don't expect bars and clubs to be safe spaces in general. I, I'm not sure what the definition of space is. I don't, safe is. I don't think a clan member is going to go into any nightclub and bar and just start randomly attacking people. So well, clubs, are, clubs can be, uh, yeah, but clubs are, could be looked at as dangerous to begin with for a they lot of are. reasons. They are. For a lo- they are. So I, I don't know if that they're any more dangerous if, a, if there's a few white people in a mostly black populated nightclub no, or bar. Uh, well, it all, I mean, listen, as someone who has, you know, bounced at my share of, of institutions, um, you're right. Clubs are inherently a dangerous space, right? Just from management on down, just from what management expects to what the, the patrons expect to what law enforcement expects you to do and what you can and can't do when things happen. Um, do clan members go to bars they have no business being with? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just like, you know, other gang members, you know, affiliations coming to, you know, dance nightclubs. Of course they, they, they do, right. They want to have a drink. They're in town. They figure what the fuck. I don't care about anybody. I'm the man. I'm going to go and enter this establishment and do whatever. Right. That's just how those individuals think. Um, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, the expectation of, of a club being a safe space is is a bit of a high expectation, but some people do. Some people do expect certain places that they go to be safe spaces. That's what they expect, especially in marginalized and minority communities. That's a thing. Right. So and I think we all understand. That. Um, I think this owner, there was no misunderstanding about putting the K in clan. Let's just be clear. You didn't fuck up yeah, the voice was, note and say, oh, bad. yeah, I want you to put the word clan. Use your discretion. It could be a C, a Q, or a K. I don't care. Just come back to me with something and we'll run with it. That's not what happened, right? In, in the receipts, he straight up says, I'm glad you picked up on that. I want the oppressors to know they can come but not spew their racism. Right. So if anything, the he K was intentional. Yeah. No, he fucked right. up there. Yeah. He, tried, up. he tried to do some PR backtracking. He didn't, exactly. he didn't plan for someone to post the screenshots, post the yeah, receipts. Yeah, like, oh, I left a voice note and he misconstrued the voice note. I totally didn't mean him. Come on. Like, that was planned and it calculated. Yeah, so my conversation was based on that evidence. It was intentional. He tried to backtrack. It didn't work, yeah. but it was but I, intentional marketing, and that's what I was commenting on. Yeah, I think that, you know okay. what, I think he I think he played his card, and I think he got what he wanted. I think in the end, no press is bad press. Yeah, you know what, I agree with Clay. I agree with Clay. I agree with you, man. I do. As someone who, you know, has run a, a business of my own, I get it. I totally hear what you're saying. If you haven't been, don't comment. I totally agree with that. Um, but that is the gamble when you want to do risque, you know, you know, very, very eccentric marketing. Um, that is the risk that you run. You do run walking that tightrope of it being positive of people either favoring it or not. Right. So you do play that game. And I think he took a calculated risk. Um, you know, him wanting clan members and saying, I think it's kind of funny and ironic. I don't think he felt people were going to take it literally. Um, I think he was just trying to push the point that everyone was welcome, including this extreme. Right. And I think maybe people may have taken that too literally and said, oh, what are you doing? How dare you? Um, You know, but listen, it's a it's it's aggressive, creative marketing. I'm going to be very generous about this. It's aggressive, creative marketing, marketing. He played the game. He lost. But again, no press is bad press. And this will blow over. And you know what? People will still patronize. And, you know, in the end, in the long game, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be OK. But I think in the short term right now, yeah, there's a lot of blowback and, and there's a lot to kind of sift through and sort through. Um, I, I don't know. I think I like I said, I think it's, it's an aggressive campaign. And, and you know, I, I think look, we're talking about it. So it work. I mean, I, I had to talk to some people. And from what I got is that the crowd is mainly black. It's one of the only Caribbean places that people, especially uh, foreign students that come from places like the, like the, you know, the West Indies and Jamaica, that's really where they hang out. Uh, that's what one of the DJs that, that goes there told me, that's one of the residents. He, they also told me that uh, what he was trying to do uh, was to get more of a mainstream audience, which is like a more of a white audience. Uh, and again, it's all about dollars and cents. 
you you get whoever pays more money. Uh, I don't know, plus Halifax apparently, and it's a student town because of the universities that are there. So there is a lower people when the students are out and because of COVID, a lot of students went remote. So I think that's one of the issues that he was trying to build out. Uh, as an immigrant, I do think sometimes things get lost in language. Uh, and I've seen it with other people, even in Moncton, uh, that are Middle Easterns and have businesses and other people. So I really don't know what, I don't know if it was a mistake. I don't know if it wasn't a mistake. I'm not 100% sure we are talking about it. So definitely it did, it did something. Uh, however, I don't, I do agree in Clinton on one thing. If you haven't been to a place, why are you going to bash it if you haven't even stepped in there, right? Uh, if you don't like it and you don't like, you could definitely express your opinion and not go there. Don't spend your money, just spend your money someplace else, but don't bash something that, you know, you haven't even stepped foot on. So that that definitely, that's something that we we have to be careful on that because again, not only because this is a black business, but business in general, I, well, Clinton, knows that, that you don't like when people talk about a business that you don't even been at. So it's definitely something that we have to be more aware about, of. And, you know, hopefully, again, we'll see what happens, but hopefully everything turns out for the best and hopefully we can all go out. Go ahead, Clinton. Can I pose a question to you guys? Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll do the, like, you're right. So a lot of people have heard of this bar and, and, and seen this post. Hillary, you met, and I'm looking at their Facebook page right now. It's a Black-owned business, and only white people are leaving negative reviews about this, this clan thing. What yeah. does that mean to you all? Hillary, what does that mean to you? White savior complex. <laughs> white, mm-hmm. I, I, oh, I, so I see a mix of things. A lot of my friends who commented about it were white but queer. So is it, like we're saying, a bitterness over a loss of safe space because not only did they lose a gay bar, but now this bar has sort of made a post that's like, completely opposing safety and encouraging danger. So I can't tell if it's the queer community being upset at the loss of a gay bar, concerned for the safety of the people who do attend, or meddling their business in a bar that is no longer really theirs because it is for Black people and it's like a white savior complex feeling a need to poke their nose in. I can understand a gay person seeing like this place I used to go got sold and now they're encouraging white supremacy, which does fall under a hate group that would hate queer people and that could could endanger the, the thing I used to think this place was. I understand where that mindset can go. But I guess it's sort of, it's all all these people who commented aren't going to the place. A lot of the people who commented don't live in Halifax either. People who brought like the, the queer person who brought it to my attention is in Ottawa, is from Halifax, but is in Ottawa. So it's like gay people from the Maritimes no longer located in the Maritimes commenting on something that doesn't involve them because it's a black now owned business. Concern for the, the safety, concern for the safety of people who go there. <laughs> like it's but maybe that's the problem <laughs> though. Like were the previous owners, the previous owners were white. Is that is that correct? I don't know, but it was a gay bar. Yeah, they're they okay. Were so they maybe that is okay. So maybe this is the issue. The issue that now this was a white-owned business is now a black-owned business. And now, unfortunately, the fate, and, and I don't know whether he's gonna agree with this or not, but in my opinion, the face of the LGBTQ plus community, unfortunately, is a white face. It's it, And that's how I see it. I, I see it as, you know, despite all, all everyone who is involved in that community, the face is, is, is a white male or white female face. And I think, and I, and I think some people really latch onto that. And I think the fact that this is, I'm going to take this angle that, you know what, it was a white owned business. It is no longer white-owned. You have a black owner now who's saying, look, well, come one, come all, including the Klan. And, you know, I, I think there may be a, a, a bit, a bit of, of, of a racial tension here because of that, whether it be LGBTQ or not. Go ahead. I don't, I don't think that it's necessarily racial tension as much as it's a loss of a space and then this person say, using a word so identified with hate that even though technically Klansmen, it's not their hate that they just wanted to 
save the day. I feel like they maybe meddled their nose where it didn't belong. And I don't know how many of the white people leaving the reviews are also queer. I know that I had two white queer friends, only one of which in Halifax share it. And then many people appalled about it, but I don't even know how many people leaving the reviews are gay. It could be straight white people meddling their nose in something that is no one is none of their business. So I will just say, though, that like factually, while the face of the LGBTQ community might be white, like Marsha P. Johnson, the face of like pride is is a black person. So there's definitely like historically black people implemented in that culture, woven in and out, just not given their due diligence all the time. But I don't I wouldn't necessarily say it's racial tension so much as maybe just white people wanting to be like, you shouldn't do this thing. It's, it's like in the same way where like th- one of my favorite stand up comedian skits is Burt Kreischer talking about how he'd always make black jokes to the black Starbucks server he had and the black server loved it. And then some other white person said that it was inappropriate. It's like racist gatekeeping from white people where they shouldn't mind their business if the black people aren't bothered by it. That's what I mean by white savior complex. It's like a bunch of white gays were like, well, this is inappropriate. And it's like, but you're not even the crew going to the club. You don't know this owner. You don't know what message they're trying to send. And it sounds like their message falls in line with their culture and that there was just a like loss in translation. Well, I'm leaving them a positive review right now just to balance things out. Fidel, what's your thought on that? Why, why, why am I reading all these reviews here, but it's it's only white people complaining? Black people have the internet. So they would they would have seen that for this one love bar, this new black bar in Halifax. They would have seen the same ads. Now, I, I will say this, and, and just to get, uh, black queer people have done more for the LGBTQ plus community than anybody else i agree uh, with you I, from, agree. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's what alan was saying no no no. but I, I do have to say that because again from house music to boging to uh drag like uh, yeah again, no but and, and that just lends to my comment of just saying that unfortunately i feel the face when it comes to society news etc is always a white male or ellen white gay male that's what, you know, that's what and, that's and that's what, what people LGBT are comfortable TV. with and yeah. people are com- more comfortable with the white gay male <laughs> Than they are with the black game. Well, let Fidel say his piece. Sorry, yeah, everyone, that's everyone just shush. Yeah, yeah Fidel, and then we'll go with Hillary. But I will say, like the 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 most known LGBTQ person is a black woman, which is RuPaul. She's worldwide known. She's the most famous queer person uh, over the world. But having that said, uh, I have been involved with uh, LGBTQ plus in the Maritimes since the beginning because of electronic music, and I seen something, and this is. A New Brunswick thing, but it may be an Atlantic Canada thing. Uh, people here are not used to change. Everything, something changes. It's it's a it's a it's a you know it's a harassment. So uh, when Triangles, which was a queer queer bar in Moncton, shut down, uh, they brought it back. And one of the biggest fears was that it was going to not be a queer bar. I can say it because I was involved in even purchasing it. Like I was involved in purchasing it myself. And I wasn't going to have it to be a queer, a queer bar, uh, but other people were interested as well. Uh, when another club boom in Fredericton closed, uh, the fear was that, that they were kind of outraged and it became another LGBTQ club. So I think the, the problem is, is that a lot of people are not used to change. And when they, they kind of expected that it was going to be an LGBTQ club and Somebody bought it, but it's a business, right? If you, you know, whoever buys it and does whatever they want, as long as they can pay the rent and, you know, pay the taxes, it is what it is. But I think uh, the main thing, and again, it's a maritime thing. I mostly in the Brunswick thing as well. I guess, I guess it's an Atlantic Canada thing. People don't like change here. And, and when they see a change, they react very, very differently. Uh, in this particular case, I think a lot of these people feel entitled that that was a place that they used to be. Uh, but if you look on the hindsight, where were you when that business wasn't working, right? So, like, why didn't you pay money and and did whatever it takes to that business to succeed? Uh, but I think people feel have some type of entitlement, and they are as soon as they find something that they don't like, they'll be outraged, even if they haven't been to the bar, which is the craziest thing. Uh, even if they haven't been to the spot, or 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 never going to be in that spot, which I think that's the that's the very, very sad situation. And it's even sadder when it's a brand new business and it's somebody of color because we need more, you know, black and 
immigrants and minority businesses to flourish. So that is my opinion. Go ahead, Hillary. Well, what I was like waving my arms about was just the comment that like when Alon says that the face of LGBTQ or what's more, what's more palatable is a white gay. And I was going to say, but it's like, it's similar to the Acadian conversation where black people get hated because they're black first, because that's what you see first before you know any of their identities. Someone would racially profile me before they would say anything about me being bi. So I think that just to comment on that, that like, I think that's part of it, right? That like, it, it's the, they still have the white card, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I was going to add, but now I have to try to remember it. Oh, is just that the idea that I think that, again, if there are white queer people commenting, I don't know if it's necessarily, I agree that it has to do with disliking change, but also change that is feels like the loss of a queer space. I think queer people take almost as a microaggression when it's just business. Like you, you see a space that you're losing and instead of trying to help that business thrive or going, you then immediately hate the new thing, regardless of what it is, because it's not something queer or something that helps you feel safe or a place where you can identify or be free to be yourself the most. So I think that there's an, an immediate disdain for anything that isn't that that is something different so, so it's not just the previous change. business owners that couldn't keep the, the venue open yeah facts facts but but again facts. it's a bit it's a business like businesses come and go all the time you yeah, can't don't be, get mad at everyone the new yeah you, you can't get mad at that it's just that maybe how they're feeling hillary but no excuse yeah, but no, but I'm just saying that like, everyone takes everything personally. Like when, when Navigators closed and the new place started ch- like uh, charging admission, they had a million negative reviews about why people would never go to pay money. And they deleted like a hundred comments and all of these posts about it. And it was the same thing. People who lived in Ontario who went to NABS a decade ago being like, I wouldn't go here and pay $10 when you haven't been under the new ownership. You haven't even been since it moved on the other side of the court. So pe- people... Don't like change. Take everything way too personally. I still don't think it should have been planned with a K. <laughs> Look, I, I, just, I, just, I just feel like, again, I mean, I, I think businesses are having a hard time right now. If you are not going to go to that business or you're not going to support it, you're, you're free to give your expression, which is fine. But I mean, don't try to bash a business that you haven't been to. That's, that's all I can say. Don't try to yeah. do, don't do that. And yes. also uh, if you are upset that, the business previous or whatever you went, unfortunately, you know, that's life. Things change. That's what, that's what it is. So we're going to move on to our last topic, but before we do that, and, and I'm going to go, cause I know you guys feel some type of way and I know people are going to rant about this. So I'm going to let you guys rant. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about the mass graves uh, of what happened with indigenous people and our premier Blaine Higgs was wearing a shirt saying, all childs matter when he actually said that he wanted to move on that he was not he didn't want to do anything with indigenous issues and he was literally pandering with a shirt supporting what happened i know hillary has their fits uh has his fist again <laughs> i'm gonna give you guys a, a couple of minutes to say this because i know everybody has a lot to say about this so hillary go ahead he's a racist motherfucker that's it like just just say less <laughs> You can't say that you want to tax the indigenous more because they don't deserve to have tax exemptions and not tax your buddies, the Irvings, and then wear an orange t-shirt and pretend you care about any of those dead children that were buried. Blaine Higgs, go fuck yourself, not politely. That's it. Wow, that was short. Okay, Alon? Basically everything that Hillary just said. I mean, this is just typical politics. You got an old white man who doesn't give a shit and he saw a photo opportunity and someone handed him an orange shirt. Is that simple, right? And I think anyone who doesn't see that or can't read into that is a fucking idiot. Um, you know, there's there's no there's no excuse for this. This is politics as usual in the worst way. Um, and the fact that there isn't an uproar here in New Brunswick, that there isn't, um, I mean, there is, but I mean like a like a huge social way, everyone. Um, because this is just wrong on so many levels. And I really wish I had made the podcast last week because I can go on and on about the schools and the, the kids and and all that. Um, you know, this is a horrible national uh, tragedy. This is a Holocaust. This is so many things. 
And, you know, I have no love or patience for anyone, white, black, or indifferent, who wants to be like, yeah, but there is no but to this sentence. Um, there is no but this is a great country. There is no but this is can't. There is no but to this phrase. Um, and, and, you know, Blaine Hayes just consistently disrespecting uh, the indigenous communities is just outrageous and just uh, it, it's it's it's, un, it's it's just despicable, really. Um, and the fact that, again, he's still in office. And, and I mean, I know this is in the states, but the fact that he's still in office and no one's saying anything about this uh, is really, really uh, showing the poor character of, uh, of New Brunswickers as a whole. That's what I'm going to say. Well, actually, we just had an election and he's there for four more years. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about the election. I don't give a fuck what happened yesterday. I don't care. Like, I understand that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, like, but at the end of the day, it still is the, you know, still is supposed to be the people who, you know, say, you know, and have a say in and who's going to lead and who's going to, you know, like no one's no one's checking them. Like, yes, we have the indigenous community saying what they have to say and the supporters, but no one's really checking this man, right? Like, you, you get a flare-up and then it dies. You get a flare-up and then it dies. Then he just slithers off into the shadows and then, you know, and then he services for photo ops, leaves these fucking sound bites, and then runs away. Like, it's it's just one of those things, like I said, it's despicable and it's just, I, I just don't, I, I, you know, shame on the New Brunswick community and, and society here in the province, really. Go ahead, Clinton. Well, who's going to check them? Like the Irvings that own all the new <laughs> that owns that own all the news stations and have all the influence. Well, that's the but that's the problem with Canada. Canada has has developed itself into being a monopoly state. Like that's not especially that, New Brunswick, right? It's, so it's the most corporate run province it, in all of Canada, exactly. So when you so when you put yourself into this trick bag and you allow one entity to go ahead and run media and fuel and you know grocery and everything. Um, and have their hand in politics as well, obviously, because of their money and their reach. Um, I mean, I, I, I maybe I expect too much from Canadians. Maybe that's my problem, right? Like, I, again, I, I just I just don't understand I how I had my opinion. yet. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was talking to Hillary. That was side. She's trying to cut in here. I haven't even said my piece yet. No, no I, I just mean, don't want to like, be forgotten. Go ahead. What's it called? The Telegraph Journal, owned by the Irvings. They always put out articles making it seem like they're exposing Higgs or, or coming down against them. But in the end, they never are. And they end up like making like they support him in the end all the time. But not much to say about Higgs, right? When he got elected, I was probably one of the few people that kind of liked him in a way that I found he was funny. I found he was like a, a bit of a badass, like a little old, like an old old man gangster just doing whatever the fuck he wanted until he started doing really hard like harmful things right like closing down uh hospitals and then the day the day that the day that the dr nagola in campbellton that was it i was f u higgs for for life right like that that was it so no surprise here fidel i'm glad you brought it up total hypocrisy hypocrisy at his finest this man saying first does not systemic racism let's forget about the past i don't want to invest in this because i want to move forward in the future still no commissioner on racism hired and by the time they are there's only going to be like what five days to make the report and then and now this wearing an really wearing an orange shirt saying every child matters when you know to him it doesn't short and sweet like go ahead hillary all I was going to add in in the who's going to check him is also the fact that the majority of the population is boomer population that's just happy that they didn't die because of the pandemic, which is how he got reelected because he forced the election after doing well during the pandemic. So, of course, this is not surprising ever. Now, uh, I think one of the things that when we see things like Blaine Hicks uh, and Whoever voted, I mean, the the opposition wasn't that better, to be honest with you. It wasn't even great. It wasn't even good, to be honest with you. It was an easy election for him to win. Uh, but it, it brings to the point of what Hillary says. I mean, what needs to change uh, for the, these type of leaders not to happen is, is that more people need to get involved in politics and we need to make sure that we, we have to change that type of system. Because again, I think one of the reasons and New, New Brunswick in particular, if you look at the system, I mean, he he did a power grab, but his power grab is only one seat. That's it. It only has a one seat. That's why he's able to do whatever he wants, because one person, uh, because his whole thing is the majority and it's by one person. So I think that's one of the things that we got. We got to make sure uh, the hypocrisy of politicians is not new. Uh, I don't think 
the liberals or the greens or even the NDP would do anything different. I think they all pander. That's that's really what that's part of the game, unfortunately, because you have to attract some people, especially and you have to know your audience. And I will say that playing Higgs, he knows his audience. He definitely he panders to old white people. And unfortunately, those are the people that vote in this problem. So uh, definitely, I think it's 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 sad to see what he did, but he he did it and he's going to keep doing it. So, I mean, we had another topic, but I think we gave people a good a good hour. So I think that's a uh, what's the other topic. The other topic was the Montreal uh, guy that was uh, harassed uh, by by getting. Well, the police said that he was getting his bicycle light was down. But all he did was that he stopped and he saw the people getting arrested and then they saw it and he got arrested. He got a fine. So definitely, I mean, we could go on about it, to be honest. We know that's all bullshit. Exactly. We kind of know, but this was a good episode. I I think this was one of the better ones in a while. Yeah. So we're going to end it all like that. We're not going to go. So, uh, okay, guys. So again, subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Stitcher. Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to donate on Patreon or PayPal. Uh, if you go to blackinthemaritimes.com, uh, follow us on social media, Black in the Maritimes, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And yeah, thank you for listening. You guys didn't have anything else to say? Rob Barry on all social media. Second glances is still a thing. We said this week, um, well, the week that we're recording this, since we... Um, also interviewed Mary Lisa McCarthy that I get to, got to interview her for an Emancipation Day episode for CBC. So there'll be more information on that at a later date. But we're very excited to be doing this thing. And that's it, I guess. Pray that I get an apartment in Toronto. That's the one thing I'm going to add. I'm here suffering <laughs> in COVID land to move in with a cat. He's got his asshole on my stuff over there. But anyway, that's it. Typical cat. Typical. Good luck paying the rent for that. <laughs> Toronto rent is crazy. <laughs> sorry can i very quickly because of the housing crisis in moncton i compared my i'm looking at an apartment a one bedroom that's like quite large for 1200 i saw an apartment a one bedroom in moncton for 1000 why would i do that tell me why yeah the housing crisis is getting bad it's getting bad i'll here. stay here all right all right you uh, guys. i'll just i'll just venture my band uh uh echo seven uh single i am the tree is out now on curtain call records and uh sony orchard which is very cool video is on youtube uh spotify who i still can't stand fuck you spotify but you can stream it on spotify apple music you can buy it on Bandcamp. you can buy it on apple music um so we got the video we got the song new pictures up follow us on social media at underscore echo seven and uh yeah that's basically all i have to say I'll say one thing before I go. Um, you guys were right. So by the time this episode airs, I'll be done. But I was on Music New Brunswick's jury for Industry Professional of the Year and Album of the Year. And it's a lot of work. And it was a nightmare. I had a lot of fun. It was interesting. I'm glad I did it once. But damn. <laughs> you got to review all of the songs and you got to rate them all and, and fill out the yeah. questionnaire. And- a lot of work. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I did it for the ACMAs and I did it for the Junos. It's a nightmare. So, all right. Peace. Peace. Bye.